This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there in the vast expanse of self-isolation, disaster divas. It is me, Jordan Cruciola. And me, Amanda Smith. And we are coming at you today, uh, pivoting into some international disaster waters with the South Korean film, The Tower, which you may have guessed, if you didn't hear us talking about it last week, does uh, draw heavily from the most famous of disaster towers, the towering inferno. Uh, And it's a big old building that's gonna burn to the ground uh, and and a lot of people are in danger. That's that's what's up this week. It was great. It was, was, what a great version of the towering inferno. Like what a great reinterpretation of it, right? Yeah, and I, my, I I would say of the two very, this is very similar to, the skyscraper movie that Dwayne Dwayne the Rock Johnson recently did, and okay, given my affinity for the Rock, this one has the edge for me in modern super. His movie has the edge for me in modern super structures that are about to burn down in the face of technological advancements that tell us that shouldn't be possible. Um, but I also will go in for pretty much any South Korean film. And this was very entertaining. It was a good way to spend two hours free streaming via Prime. Re- yeah. there, man, I was, I was just about to ask that question, Jordan, and I'm glad you led right into it. <laughs> oh, so proud. Yeah. Yes, no, that's, that is where you can find it. And yeah, I, I, I feel like, do we, do we give a summary of a movie like this or do we just know? I, I, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's a tower. They're gonna they're gonna have a Christmas party, and as we've learned from this podcast, if you're yep. attending a party, a big party with very important people, don't go. <laughs> yeah, don't go. And uh, don't go. Don't yeah. So, social isolation is probably the safest way to avoid a disa- being in a disaster movie, <laughs> unless you decide to go in the like under the foundation of your house during a, a hurricane. Don't yeah. don't do that. Exactly. Um, but and then uh, tragedy. Chaos strikes when two of the helicopters that are going to be spilling snow to give it to make it snow on the rich people. Yeah, the helicopters are blown through an updraft directly into the building, and uh, the building catches fire. Yeah, it really like because it's just like so, we're it's saying, such a clean. Yeah, right. Right before right before we got on, obviously, we were talking about how like in the original Towering Inferno, there's just a there's a there's a fire that breaks out in a room, and the building is not yet safe enough to be open for operations. So it shouldn't be, but of course the rich people have their requirements and there needs to be a big ribbon cutting party and there needs to be a big sort of society event. And so every nobody's paying attention. The fire gets ignored. It spreads throughout the building. This one just goes fucking bananas off the top. Yeah. And it's like, we're not just going to have a fire in some room, even though we've already established, we established very early on in this movie as we're meeting our whole cast of characters, like, Young girl working at the front desk, chef who's dating her, like line cook works in the kitchen, the like operations manager of the whole building who's really going to be kind of our guy throughout the movie. 
the the building the whole sort of building manager who speaks French, solves everybody's problems, knows everybody in the building. We're meeting Looks all these impeccable people. Impeccable in a white suit. Yeah, yeah. And and we're as we're meeting everybody, we're doing that sort of like all these threads are gonna cross thing throughout the beginning of the movie. There is a fire in the kitchen where the hapless line chef is working and it's a grease fire and he demonstrates his absolute fucking lack of common sense knowledge by throwing water on this grease fire causing it to get bigger well that fire gets put out that that kind of like it teases us it's like oh is this going to be the moment it's obviously too obvious to have been the moment where the fire starts but we get this whole confrontation between building manager and some other sort of processes administration guy who's like, everything that happens in the kitchen is your domain. Like, you're you're accountable for all this. And she gives this explanation about how there isn't sufficient ventilation in the kitchen. Do you see how many ranges we have? There are too many for the space. It wasn't built for, you know, it wasn't built with practicality in mind. So it's like, okay, we and we know, too, that the main gripe from the sort of facilities operations manager, Mr. Lee, is that, these the sprinkler systems, as we know from the fire that just happened in the kitchen, are not working correctly. They're, for some reason, the pipes are dry, leading to these fire, you know, put the fire out sprinklers. Well, he realizes when he's going through sort of service well, stairwell, that the water in these pipes is for some reason frozen, which is why there's nothing traveling between floors 60 and 80. There is no water traveling through the safety sprinklers. We get this whole explanation as though there's going to be a fire that just secretly starts somewhere and the sprinklers aren't going to come on in time to put it out before it starts engulfing the building. But instead just fucking helicopter into it. Helicopter crashes in to tower sky careens through. It seems like a couple floors and ends up in a big cavernous room where the server room, the server room where uh, it just starts burning fuel and overwhelming, you know, engulfing this, the middle portion of this building in flame, just taken all guys. There's been a fire burning for hours and nobody knew. No, we're just going to blow the fucker up right to start. Yeah. They went full, they went full blockbuster and I appreciated that. I liked, (laughs) like we didn't, we didn't necessarily need the whole, like there's no, I didn't, in terms of, did I believe, did I not, but in terms of believability index, like, I don't believe that sprinklers would have made a difference with this fire. There right. was an entire, there were like, there was like a burning helicopter and it was, it was seemed like there was an endless supply of fuel and like the fire <laughs> yeah. was going to keep going regardless of if yeah. there was water or not. Um, but it was kind of a fun misdirection that you really were expecting this, like to start out as something small that grew. And instead it was like, no, 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 here's five minutes of absolute chaos and great effects on it. Like the watching the helicopters, all that, it was really good. They did a great job of showing of, of really spending time watching that helicopter just destroy the building. Yeah. It was money. It was money spent wisely on those effects. And I think, I think that's a good point that you make too, about like, Oh, it didn't seem like the water really would have, the sprinklers would have paid that played that big of a role. Not that, you should open your building for business if all the emergency services are not online and operational. <laughs> but in this particular context, if you're going to give us all this time telling us about it, um, there were not uh, ancillary fires cropping up that were also getting out of control. It, the fire question was really one of, we need to contain the point of origin, which is where this helicopter is. And once that was taken care of, 
there were still burning fires, but yeah. that didn't seem to be like, oh my God, the building, like flames are licking up the side of it. We just can't get this thing under control. No, it seemed like they pretty much took care of most of the structurally problematic stuff with hoses, but it had just been burning so hot and so yeah. long at the point of origin for such an extended period of time that the steel structure, steel concrete structure had been compromised and yeah. the tower itself, um, it's going to go down. It's inevitable this thing's going to go down, which of course creates the rub of these are two adjoined twin towers next to one another. Uh, if one goes down in the wrong direction, it's going to take that whole other tower out with it. And considering when you see the sort of skyline pullback of what these towers look like, and they are like 50 goddamn times bigger than any other building around them. Yeah. Uh, they're going to level a substantial portion of the city. I'm assuming a city of that size for a South Korean film like this would, would have been Seoul, but yeah. I d that was not specified. Uh, so major South Korean city. And yeah, so not only do you have, so you have the building that's going to collapse, the one next to it, the structural integrity seems to be totally fine, but they've got to detonate the compromised building, which means anybody left inside of it going to go down with the ship. And... And as that we've learned, there's, the, yeah, yeah, that is where the stress stays with us even after the central fire is contained. Yeah, and the problem with the whole like anybody who's in there is going to go down with it. Well, you think, okay, so this, the fire is out, the building's going to collapse, but like they can get the people out, right? Oh no, because in terms of the believability, one thing that <laughs> they had in this movie that was like weirdly cynical and realistic yes. was that there was a VIP list to that yes. building. And so, and the, the head of the fire, like the fire chief, not fire chief, but like head of city fire, basically. The, yeah. He seemed to yeah. be like the administrative person that like you yeah. would answer to if you were the fire chief. Yeah. He, the, king, the, king, the king of fires. Yeah. Um, he has a artfully typed up in Excel. Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. how they had that. They had that ready had to that go. Ready. Yeah. When that building got made, like every time that someone signs a new lease, they kind of reprioritize the list. They had a list of the VIPs who live in the building. The and must who, save people. The, the must save people. Like who they, who's getting prioritized for being saved. And uh, it was deeply believable that yeah. that kind of a building with those kind of important people, that there would be some, like the lot, there was the, we meet like the senator and his wife, and then we yes. meet a lotto winner who is sort of like this like this joke character through the whole thing, who's this yeah. very much nouveau riche sort of has the 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 Last Supper painted on the wall of his very expensive apartment. Yeah. Um, he tries to bring the bitch, um, like rich woman, yeah. uh, a rice cake as a greeting of hello. She asks, "Did you win the lottery?" And he says, "Yes." How do you know? And she goes. Like, basically, you lotto people do a lot, like, give a lot of rice cakes. Like, that that happens a lot with you people. And you're like, oh, okay, so she's an asshole. Yeah. And at first, you're like, oh, this guy, you know, he's a little out of his element, but he's doing yeah. something nice. He's trying to welcome the neighbors. And yeah, this I, thought he was is, gonna be your, I thought he was going to be your Fred Astaire character. I did, too. I did, too. But that is dispatched quickly yeah. when the rich woman cannot find her little Lhasa Apso puppy, which I don't think that dog was Lhasa Apso. But um, couldn't find the hair puppy. So she's like, oh, I need to find my dog. She's all kind of, you know, spun up about it. And so the lottery winner guy, once he's dismissed with his rice cakes and he's sort of trundling off away from her room, he sees the puppy and he's like, oh, it must be you. Like, you, you must be the dog that's lost. And he just fucking kicks the dog. 
I know. As soon as he kicked the kicked the dog, I was like, "And you're dead to me." Uh, yeah, as though it's the dog's fault in any way. No. Who its owners are, and so from that moment on, I was like, "Oh, that guy, Mr. Kim, fuck him." Yeah, no, I hope this fire swallows him alive. Yeah, yeah, he was he was terrible. I mean, we we did. The rest of his family was so excited when he brought he brought the rest of his family into the his his new apartment to show them and they were all just so excited to be there and they're like looking at the marble and it was very it was it was very sweet in its like goggly eyed sort of oh my gosh all the money uh, yeah the all the time, money the whole time I was like cool they can all live he must die for kicking the puppy. Yeah, he's gotta uh, go. But he, gotta go. but he was not at the top of the must save list. And the senator and his wife, who is the horrible woman with the puppy, they were. Um, and in fact, at one point, um, the like when the firefighter, the fire captain actually gets rerouted when when Kang gets rerouted from saving the, the a yes. whole bunch Ca- of people. Captain Kang, we should note, is a legend mm-hmm. in. Uh, the municipality of firefighting here. We meet a new recruit. That's how we're sort of entrance point into the the fire brigade that's going to, you know, lead us through this journey in the building. And he shows up there saying, you know, is Captain Kang here? Captain Kang's a legend, you know, among recruits. And so we are following Captain Kang into the fire. And they tell him, they're like, it's too dangerous. You can't go in there. We can't worry about containment. We just have to get the people out that we can get out. And we just got to let this thing burn. And he's like, fuck that. No, we're going in. We're going to the point of origin. If we don't stop that, this whole thing's coming down. So he's a hero right off the bat. Yeah. And I mean, he granted, is, he is there because he has abandoned his wife on Christmas because it was his day off. Um, yeah. He is like, absolutely no, we, we, a derelict husband. A terrible absolutely. husband. Like, and it's not even as if his wife is, is they do a nice job of not making the wife like a, yeah. an evil harpy. Uh-huh. She seems perfectly nice, and he just like hangs up on the phone before she can even get out. Like, okay, well, I love you. Yeah. Um. He just he's he's a terrible husband. Yeah. Um, Which he knows. He knows, but then he, he knows. doesn't do. Doesn't make he it better. Knows he's, doesn't make it better. This hero um, so he's not, not uh, in every quadrant of his life overachieving. No. He's he's definitely there's he's when he I love the moment when he opens he goes back to the station and he opens up his locker and there's all the post-it notes from all his coworkers being yeah. like go home save your marriage go back to your wife leave now I love that and everyone that, knew like he was and that's really the moment that's really the moment you know where it's probably going to come down to Captain Kang's yeah. self sacrifice because if they're ta- if they're telling you like oh I wasn't even supposed to be here today kind of moment oh, go yeah. save your marriage be with your wife we got this. If if the the guy in charge especially is the one who says no, I'm gonna go anyway. Like this is my job. Pretty much a guarantee that he's he's either going he's given his central role in the movie, he's going to have to give his life and make the ultimate sacrifice. But as oh, you were sure. as you were saying, but, which I mean, it's just surprising in this movie because it for the most part doesn't follow the American like film tropes that that would be. You know yeah. where it's either like he's a day away from retirement or he's right the day away supposed from to be there. He it doesn't retirement. follow that it doesn't follow that trope in so many other ways. We were talking about how there's there's not a lot of vengeance deaths. We don't get a lot of deaths from people where it's like, yeah, that's that's the fire taking killing the people who deserve it. We don't right. see a lot of those. So it was surprising that, you know, that aspect of the trope that trope did really come through. Well that and I think that too is uh, you know, if films from around the world are not beholden to our happy endings. And no. So for some reason, they just had to kick us right in the face with a couple late stage moments in this movie 
But as oh you were as God. you were saying before, when um because the fire's broken out, things are being ravaged, a bunch of people have made it into the Chinese restaurant on a high floor of this building, and they're kind of taking shelter there, and Kang and his sergeant yeah. And Kang and his team are going to rescue these people. There's like probably a dozen of them in there. And then the head, the, the king of fires in the city gets on the radio and he's like, uh, Kang, you got to go save these people over here. You're the closest unit. He's like, we're in, a, we're in the middle of a rescue mission. No, can't you send somebody else? And he's, and he's like, damn it, Kang, there are a dozen people suffocating. Are you just going to let them die? And you know it's a fucking lie because we've just yeah. had this moment where the sort of sub-king of fires, the fire chief, has had to be like, we need to save these people, this is what logistically should happen, and the fire king is like, um, no, we've got this list of people we have to save, and you're going to follow my orders. So yeah. you know that they're sending him on an errand to pick up some privileged people instead of saving the larger quantity of people trapped in the Chinese restaurant. And sure enough, when Kang, Kang sends his sergeant to go blow a fire door open and save the people in the Chinese restaurant. So he takes the rest of his team to get the quote unquote dozens of people, dozen yeah, people, dozen people suffocating. And he finds those two, he finds the rich asshole woman and her husband, who we see from photo cues in the apartment, is like a public official of some kind, a politician, and their little Lhasa Apso dog are the only inhabitants of this apartment. And the captain is like, yeah, like, Fire King radios and he's like, hey, did you get those people? And he's like, yeah, it's a man and his wife and their dog and their fucking dog. Like, you asshole. Yeah. Realizing he knew it in his bones, but to see it happening. To can- see it. To see it. Yeah. Yeah. When he radios the, the quote exactly, it rescued a family of three, including their baby, a goddamn dog. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just so, it's such a great, that is, it. it it is such a it is a wonderfully Steve McQueen moment to go back to it the, it the tiring inferno, just he's his disgust so much, and disdain. So much the Steve McQueen character yeah. in this movie. They really make him that specifically. Yeah, just so much, but so much disdain in that moment. It was great. Um, and then and then he of course immediately goes and continues to do the right thing because Captain yeah. King is a legend and does the right thing. Yes, he um, sent his fire brigade yeah. with the rich people to the opposite tower where they're going to go and get on the roof and a helicopter is going to come. And Or does he, does he send them to the opposite tower in that moment or is he sending them to the top of the burning tower? Um, I think that it was the top... That's a good question. I think it was the top... Uh, the opposite tower because the probe is able to get back down. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Because, yeah, yes, you're right. And because there's a oh, moment. Oh, and then the probie, because then the probie comes back is, yeah. Because there's a moment, too, where when they're evacuating, the when the, the and this was, we, we talked about this in Believability, in an American movie, at least somebody would cuss out that yeah. government official for being a selfish asshole. Because he's oh, yeah. smug, too. He's not, he's not like a magnanimous person. He's a smug bastard. And when him and his wife get on the last lift, that is going to be able to leave from the top of this building because there's too much smoke for helicopters to continue ferrying people down. There's this very emotional moment where the trainee gets on the lift with a little girl that he saved. He saved the like the child of, of Mr. Lee, the operations manager. He gets on the lift with her and the senator, we'll call him a senator, and his wife are on that lift too. And she goes, oh, it's the last one. We made it. We made it. 
And then the, so the, that's when the trainee firefighter looks down at his like firefighter brethren and he's screaming. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and so that was where I got kind of confused because it was like, oh, wait, does that mean he knows they're all going to die? But they actually don't have to die if they're on the opposite tower. But maybe he just thought at that moment that both of the buildings were going to collapse. He must have thought, I think he thought that both the buildings were going to collapse. But yeah, because they're definitely in the opposite tower. Yeah, yeah, those people on that roof yeah. made it. They just had to wait longer for the smoke to clear, I would say. Or or they could probably have taken the stairs down. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. yeah. So they, they would have made it. Um, yeah. And, um, so, but, and by the which the the awful rich woman not only do we know she's an awful rich woman because she's dismissive of the lottery winner oh but then yeah, on top I, of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really a deserving crucial, a crucial character introduction oh my god just so we're clear on how much she deserved to die and did not die yes we see her in like a common like the cafeteria area so a place yeah where there's lounge. people and food yeah, because um, one of the weird care, one of the weird details about this building that I like, I loved, and also wanted a lot more information on, yeah, was that they didn't allow food deliveries into the building because all of the foods are taken care of there in the building because they have their own cafeteria and commissary and restaurants. Right. Because I remember one of the guys was talking about how there's you're not allowed to have ch- Chinese food delivery yet because we can you have it all here, and I was like, I don't know if I'd want to live in a building that expensive if I couldn't get whatever I wanted delivered to my door. I don't know if that's the way I could live my life. Right. You apparently have to like leave to eat elsewhere. Well, no, you can go or you can eat in the building, the Chinese. Right, yeah. But like yeah. you could go to if a you, restaurant and such. Yeah. You're you not have other things. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. But in a situation where like I'm me and I'm not going to leave my house regardless because that requires pants in a non pandemic situation. I'm still like, yeah. I make the food appear at my door so I don't have to wear pants. And I'm um, firmly opposed to delivery, personally. I, I know, because you like to go out and explore the world. You bike 20-some-odd miles the other well, day. Well, it's for me, it's if I'm not, if I'm not, if I can't go get my food, then I don't deserve my food. So I need to go get my food. That's otherwise, a very hunter-gatherer. I, otherwise, I don't get to have it. It's the least uh, I can do. Yeah, no, my, if I, if I have Unless to, it's pizza. Pizza, from, by law, yeah. is delivered. That's what you do with pizza. Yeah, no, if I, if I, on top, like, normally if I'm ordering food in, it's because, like, I'm getting home from work and there's, I want to get the food home and get the food in time for being home. But anyway, besides, so this woman is, like, has her dog there and this very nice, like, janitorial cleaning lady comes up to him and is like, I'm sorry, ma'am, but just let you know your dog pooped on the floor. And the woman's like, yes, and? And she's like, well, it's in the rules that you have to clean up after your own dog. Which I appreciated. I, I was surprised when we learned what a dickhead the owner of the building is, the chairman of the building. Yeah. I was surprised that that was even a rule in the building that was like, you have to clean up over your after your own pet instead of, don't worry, our servant class will clean up after everything you do. It was like, wow. Yeah. I didn't expect that. I, I she wouldn't have expected that except that how annoyed would they be if the lotto winner's dog pooped on the floor and then a rich woman yeah. walked through it? Right, yes, yes. But yeah, no, that, as, as you said, uh, the woman just points out to her very politely, yeah, um, yeah no, that's, that's your job. And the rich lady's like, well, why don't you do it? That's what you're paid for. And she's like, well, okay, I will, but next time you should do it yourself. And the rich woman's like, Are, what is that, a threat? And this woman yeah. looks fucking terrified that she's going to lose her job because, as we learn, she's trying to get a three months advance on her salary to give to her asshole son so he can have, like, tuition or rent or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, opening I think a it was tuition. I think yeah. it was tuition for school because I think it, later on she mentions it. Yeah. All she wants to do is make enough money for her son to be able to have a, like, 
a college education and this asshole woman who calls her dog her baby yeah. <laughs> is letting her dog poop all over common spaces. She is a whole monster. And I was extremely concerned, much like with Towering Inferno, where I was like, I want Fred Astaire to live and this cat yeah. better goddamn live. Yeah. My, <laughs> those, those are my two conditions for that movie. Yeah. And likewise with this, I was like, if this, if this poor cleaning yeah. woman That's the does one. not make it through this film. Yeah. Like it was the cleaning woman and then it became also the pregnant lady, but I knew that the pregnant lady would make it. Yeah. I didn't think the pregnant lady was like, they, they really do a good job making you think she's yeah. in real danger, but she's never really in real danger. She's never in real danger. Killed. And she also saves people. So the pregnant woman is kind of low key awesome, even though she yeah. doesn't have like a single line. She fully like steps away from trying to like run to shelter. I don't even think she she's a, a character, has a character name. She's, no, but she's I, I awesome. Don't. I don't even think we hear her like scream distinctly. Like she's yeah. she's just the pregnant woman who pries open elevator doors to rescue two idiots who are stuck inside of an elevator, and then ends up fortunately with Captain Kang because he's the most competent person in the entire world, basically. Yeah. And unless we're talking about his marriage and emotional life, and <laughs> so yeah, no. So these this is the this is the bitch rich woman that we are introduced to. This is the kindly poor woman we are introduced to. Mm-hmm. And Captain Kang has to take his team, divert resources from where the sweet poor woman is being sheltered, which is in the Chinese restaurant, to go save these dickhead politician people. And they get no comeuppance, which felt terribly realistic. Because it's like, like in the middle of this pandemic, you know, people say, oh, it's coronavirus, you know, man, it's the great equalizer. It's like that, in that the divide, in that the virus does not discriminate, yes, but in every other way from like access to treatment to quality of care to whether or not the state actually gives a shit that you're sick. No, no, no. This is not equalizing people with concierge doctors to people who are like having to go to public clinics for their resources because they can't have, they don't have employer provided insurance and it's too expensive for them to get it individually. So no, the fire much as it should have been a great equalizer is not. And that felt, terribly accurate oh so that felt very that that aspect of it i I appreciate i mean obviously when we remake this movie in the american movie Mm -hmm. which when we when we fantasy cast at the end of this when we remake it like there will definitely have to be some vengeance deaths oh i loved i loved that they didn't that they just didn't shy away from like the awful realities of it but it was also a fairly low body count in general which i was surprised by yeah Towering Inferno was by far a yeah. more um, savage claiming yeah. of lives. You know what was brutal though was that elevator scene. Oh, that was old. that was actually so. There's a moment where it's it's the panic is setting in. Everybody's freaking out. The partygoers are trying to exit the building. So of course they try to flee to the elevators, which yeah. are of course not safe in this situation. And so a bunch of dickhead people who shove their way onto an elevator because they think they're better than everybody else, they get in. The elevator starts free-falling a little bit, locks up in front of a fire door, and they just start cooking alive inside. Yeah, and we, like, kind of watch them just slowly melt. We watch first the shoes start sticking. Yeah. And then their hands are on, and their hands, everything's melting, and their faces are, it was, yeah, it, it was as. on the side of a door, metal door, yeah. because it's just transferring so much heat. And yeah. that was, that was. That scene was so grisly, it made me think that the movie was going to be a lot more upsetting than it ended up being. 
Yeah, no, I think that was where they they really were like, we're going to kill all these nameless ones, but like your favorite dolls, the favorite dolls will live. Yeah. And I, I I appreciated that. It was, and again, it was one of those things where I look, thought back to with Towering Inferno, because I just, and their elevator scene was grisly in a different way. Oh God, people falling we're, out of the yeah. sky. No, 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 but like their elevator scene where they're like oh, running, remember, and the, like all the body and they're like, they're all just the charred bodies is the reveal oh, we see. Yeah. And yeah, then the one guy who bad. flames and yeah, but it was, it was definitely way more, it was so brutal to watch it happen, even though you hate all those people and you were rooting for it because they had shoved the cleaning lady off of it. And they yep. had shoved, um, the, the woman who was in charge of the building, the love interest, um, yeah, the building, is, the building manager. Yeah. The building manager who is taking care of, um, we haven't really talked about like, so you and he, the, the building manager, is taking care of um, Mr. Lee's Mr. Lee's daughter. Yeah. So Mr. Lee is a, an adorable widower with a precocious Who is sweet on the building manager. Super huge crush on her. Yeah. Everyone he it's very obvious. Yes. She's everybody even knows. like she's even like, why are the screens always failing when I'm here? And you, yeah. you make me come here to help you. Yeah. Uh, but he has a not terrible child. Yes. I adored i don't know how you felt about the kid but i loved his i love i liked i liked hannah i liked hannah she was good there was there's one moment where she's frozen in peril that was very understandable but still yeah. extremely annoying um but very understandable yeah overall very very good disaster movie child great disaster movie is, child who also was trying to facilitate her dad connecting with building manager yeah she's kind of like scheming together this whole like they have this adorable bonding day together which yeah. is just like the montage goes a while and you're I'm not 100% sure that we needed all that time spent watching <laughs> them like make cookies together and yeah. then she gets like turned into the honorary chef for the day and it was all yeah. it was a lot of time together but it did really it was really sweet and I was like oh okay I'm in for this um because this child is not terrible yes but so so um the two of them are shoved off of the elevator as well. Yeah. So we were like, really, I was fully, holding a child and like yeah, fully yelling, like, please at least for the building yeah. is like, no, save your own ass. And like, yeah, shoves her out the door holding a child. And, and she even says, like, just close. take the child. Yeah. She's even like, don't take me, just take the child. And he lets the door close. Monsters deserve yeah. to be roasted in, in an elevator. And they, and yeah, and they're fucking cooked. And then, so like, this is the pandemonium. While the pandemonium is unfolding, and our hero firefighters are ascending the building because Captain Kang knows they need to put the fire out at its point of origin. Otherwise, this is going to be so much more catastrophic than anybody can imagine. Before we, like, because we've talked about the rescue of the asshole rich people. Before that even happens, we've talked about the people in the Chinese restaurant. Before that even happens, the firefighters go to the point of the fire, which is this helicopter engulfed in flames in the server room. And thus begins an incredible heroic sequence of firefighters versus the disaster where yeah. they are just, they're on catwalks. There's like two or three groups of them, each with fire hoses. They're getting blown up left and right. They're getting, they're getting knocked, knocked down. Dope. Oh yeah. Nice. They're falling down from yeah. catwalks onto the ground below. And the captain maintains, he's like, keep driving forward, hold formation. And yeah. the, the, the goofy sergeant guy is like, we don't have the power. We've got to fall back. And the captain's like, we don't have a choice. We've got to put this thing out right here. 
and they're just trying to close in on this fire and it's futile and nothing's happening and there's flames bursting in from every side and the captain realizes the only thing that's going to help this is they need to break the windows of this room so the fire can exit the room and not just be like this contained inferno that's basically like an explosion happening over and over again. So there's this amazing sequence where the captain, axe in hand, is basically like, cover me to his firemen, like, you know, spray. And he's (laughs) running along this bank of windows, just hitting them with his fire axe, bursting them out as the flames are basically chasing him as it goes because the fire is, like, leaping at the new oxygen. So the fire is pouring out the building, helping to sort of, like, express the explosive power of it. He's running down this corridor. He keeps breaking out these windows. And then he realizes, all right, okay, we've, you know, we're getting this fire into their outlet, but we've basically got to blow up this helicopter if we really want to put this out because there's too, this is happening too slowly. We need to basically jettison the rest of this fuel let the explosion happen so we can actually contain the residual flames and the the sergeant again is like we can't do like a counter fire it's too dangerous captain's like fuck that we've got to do it he grabs i think an oxygen tank yeah yeah he takes one of his oxygen tanks i think runs at the burning helicopter mm-hmm. throws an oxygen tank into it turns around starts sprinting away the oxygen bursts like a bomb And it sends, like, you know, big fire explosion away from this. But the firefighters live in this moment. They live to fight another fire, another, another, I would say live to fight another day, but they live to fight on another floor, basically. Yeah. And, but you can tell immediately because the fire has just been sort of, like, the gas has essentially been forced out of this thing. The fire immediately sort of calms down, and we see the full scope of what a fucking badass. Yeah. Captain Kang is. And that is what happens right before the save the senator and save the people in the Chinese restaurant thing happens, which in progress, I think while that's happening, building chairman who's down in the command center. Oh, yeah, that happens simultaneously, like right, that happens right after it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we've got to drop the fire doors. And Mm. they're like, you're effectively going to be killing people if you do that. And he's like, "Well, well, do you want to not be able to salvage any of this? So they drop the goddamn titanium fire doors around the still burning areas leaving the people in the Chinese restaurant inside effectively to die, if not for Captain Kang and his team. Yeah. yeah. They're here. I mean, like, the at every turn, Captain Kang is like, oh, you think that you're going to get out of this without saving a bunch of lives? No, no. <laughs> I'm, like, he single-handedly saves everyone when the whole time the building manager, the building owner is like, what if we just kill people instead? Yeah, what if we like? Just what if we everybody? just do? Ne- what if it's just negligent homicide? And it's like, no, <laughs> there will be no negligent homicide on our watch today. It's really amazing how many times, like, he basically is going up against not necessarily the fire, but going up against circumstances of like the bureaucracy, bureaucracy. of it, telling the him not. It's, it's him versus the bureaucracy of like what lives are expendable and what lives aren't. Yes, it, which a is building guy who's being like save the building, and then you have Fire King who's yeah. like save the rich people. And Captain Kang is the only one speaking for the people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, but but then, because it, it's always an interesting thing when in the middle of a disaster, maybe the disaster is kind of resolved in a way, because yeah. you're like, fuck, there's an hour left. What's going to happen? transition it so, so well. What's going to happen to these people? Well, 
because the fire, like, essentially the fires are mostly, like, they're, it's still burning intermittently. But There's, the like, little patches. But... Yeah, the fire is basically contained at this point, and we're only halfway through once they put the point of origin fire out. But because the building has been burning so hot for so long, the steel concrete structural integrity is giving way, which means while their sergeant shows up to blow the fire door, the floor fully starts just giving way under the people yeah. in the Chinese restaurant. So we've entered a new phase of the disaster movie, which is structure, the, the center cannot hold, this thing's going to fall to the fucking ground. It was, yeah, I love I loved that tr- that they made that turn through the movie of like, nope, now it's not just escape the building like because you're going to burn to death, which it feels like there's ways out of that. It's you have to physically yeah. escape the building. And that feels so much bigger at that moment because they're on like, they're up on, they're somewhere up on like the 70, the skywalk. And 80. So they're above 70. Okay. Because we know this because, so they have a skywalk that connects the two buildings. Yes. And we know that they're above 70 because the skywalk is on 70 and they ah. drop down. Right, so right. they're even higher than that, and they have to even if they have to find some way to get out of this building before it collapses, which then becomes before they blow the building because they're going to fully blow the building because yeah. of the structural instability. Um, and it's just such a it's such a great new way to force all these people to have to run for their lives. Um, to, to I just literally feel like oh these people are so exhausted I feel so bad for them and now they've got to. <laughs> When they realize they have to get out of the building and get down lower, they run and they jump onto um, one of those like gondolas for window 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 cleaning trolley. Yeah, like a little window washing trolley, and they have to jump a few floors down to get to it. And the whole time I'm watching it, and I was just like, no, 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 I don't feel good about any of the jumping. (laughs) Surprise! I was, I was like, is this? I, I. It was like, I guess it's realistic, but I guess I was just really proud of everybody in that moment because once yeah. the woman, the building manager identifies like, okay, the floor is literally giving out from under us. I see a washer cart. We need to get on it. That's our only way down. Yeah. She sees it. She's like, well, we got to go. And she just jumps. And people and no one argues. jumping after her going down. Like you said, they're falling a full floor onto this small metal platform. And then finally you get to the two eldest people in the group and the woman you know, you hate to see the life-ending reservations, but understandable, a little old lady being like, yeah. I can't do this, I can't do this, and her kindly old man who she's with, you can, they're dating, it's a flirtation. They're, yeah, they, it's a new, yeah. they're not married, it's a new thing. They're and not, he's like, They're not Belle and Maury, but they're, no. they're gonna be there once. It's a very, she has a very Belle Rosen moment. <laughs> yeah. And And he, you know, this older gentleman, he's like, you can do it, we can do it together. And he, she jumps and he guides her, and then we lose him. Yep. Fire explodes. We lose him, and but then we realize quickly as the washer cart's going down, like fuck, this is attached to wires above us. These are not going to hold. So the building yeah. manager correctly identifies her and I think Mr. Lee, the the operations guy, like we've got to get off this thing. It's going to give way. So they use their weight, which I thought they got that thing swinging a bit too hastily. That was yeah. quite the. I was like, okay, this is a crazy epic disaster movie. This is one of those things where it felt like that was a sensational moment. They use yeah. their body weight to rock the cart back and forth far enough to where they can break through the window of the lower floor that they're on, probably like five, ten floors down from where they were. And they open the hatch once the window is broken. And so every, like, the front hatch on the gate so they can walk in and out. 
well, they have to keep swinging to keep getting back in to, to make it to the broken windows that they just opened up a path for. So once the cart gets close to the window, they have to jump again to get into the building and into safety. And sadly, the, the little old lady who was just afraid to jump didn't make it. She, I know. She only, she only made it one extra step of the journey. But, but fortunately, at this point, our, our beloved cleaning lady, she is making it happen. She's injured. She can't really walk that well. But she is surviving. She, it does not matter to her. She's going to get through. She's going to get through it. There's never a moment where she's like, nope, I don't believe that I can do this. She no. just does it. She just does it. And no, I loved, I, I was so happy when we got her out of that. Because that whole time when in that, in that little trolley thing, I was like, that thing's a death trap. There's like 10 people in this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like, there was that all the people. capacity of, of two people. Yeah, and there were a lot of people. There were, I mean, it was, it was too many. Um, it, was, it was too many. It was, it and, made me, let's, yeah. It, it, a thing I don't believe, a thing I don't believe, and we talked about this, the extremely useless and annoying line code uh, is still with the yeah. group at this point. I don't buy for a minute that he would have continued to survive. No. He didn't even know how to put out a grease fire. He's a panicking mess. He's a catastrophe. This person would have accidentally fallen out of window. They would have accidentally walked into a flight of stairs where there were no more stairs because they had exploded and fallen to yeah. their death. I deeply disagreed with this person having absolutely no survivability, making it with along with everybody else. That was, to me, a flaw oh, yeah. of this movie. And he was a dick. He was a dick. A so dick. it's well, not even like you're rooting for him. It's like when you're, it's like that's in Twitter. Surprised. It's like a wandering earth when... Mm -hmm. The zany blonde guy who's like oh, the, the relief of the movie is a rapist. Yeah. Who's like, uh, she was conscious and she said, yes, I swear. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we're just going to start with a rape joke from this guy. This guy was like, a, wait a minute, you're a piece of shit. I know you're zany and silly, but I kind of want you to meet Inferno Justice. Oh, 100%. I thought, I was surprised when he showed up after the, so he gets, he's in the elevator. His first proposal to his girlfriend goes horribly awry yeah. because he has gone to go find her when they're both on work hours, which yeah. like, dude, don't bother her when she's working her customer facing job at the front desk. You um, are that's not a great you're a man in your chef outfit, walking yeah. through this, walking through this building, carrying a very elaborate dessert. Like not a, not, not a great work time. Like not a great time to, to propose. What's going to be romantic about <laughs> that. Anyway, then he tries Honestly. to repropose to her at, in the elevator. And then, the helicopters hit the building mm -hmm. and when he's she's trying to escape they're trying to escape they're trying to get out of the elevator and the pregnant woman like pries the doors open just enough yeah. and she goes up and goes through and she gets stuck and he starts yelling at her about her fat ass yeah i was like sure that after the girl i thought i was for sure like oh he died in the elevator because they couldn't get the elevator doors reopened and the elevator fell yeah, no, yeah. and he's screaming at her, I thought you were a, you said you were a size zero. And then he says, we'll talk about this later. It's like, you're A, betting on later right now, and B, yeah. you need to have a whole conversation about this? Fuck you, guy. Fuck yeah, you, dude, get out of here. I, I hope you do talk about it later. And what she says is, I can't believe you were yelling about my fat ass when we were both about to die. Yeah, I desperately wanted her to dump him. Just, I do that's not accept all. your proposal. I do yeah. not accept your proposal. I'm going to throw your ring into the fire because that's something that can happen right now. 
that's what he deserved. But no, he <laughs> he makes it through all of that with his girlfriend, um, who like she was also a hysterical mess. But like, uh, understandably, he was not helping the situation. No, he was not helping the situation. He was a real he was a real value lost yeah. person. And well, once the once the fire folks get once Captain Kang relocates um, the the band of survivors from the Chinese restaurant, they have made their way. Operations guy Lee tells everybody like, oh, like we've gone down, but if we go up a few more floors, that's where the sky bridge is and we can get to the opposite tower and we can escape safety. So by Kang finds them again when they're about to cross this long glass bridge. Yeah. Which obviously is not in great shape from everything that's going on. And Captain Kang stops them before they can cross because they're just going to shatter this thing if they all go together. Here was a point of unbelievability for me. As they are going across this thing, everybody was walking right in the middle of the glass. Yes. When the support, like, granted, the metal is going to give way to you. The whole thing's going to fall. It's not just the glass that's a problem. The entire structure is going to imminently collapse to the ground. But as long as it is still standing, the structure is glass and steel. And the support beams are very obviously placed. Why was everybody walking through the middle of this bridge when they could have been walking along the steel support beams? On the, side edge, on the sides. I don't, that, I, I don't know why they were doing that. And I don't know why they weren't like, no one was like, oh, we should probably go on our stomachs. Just like you're trying to cross like ice, you know, if you want to, you want, if you're trying to cl- cross like thin ice, you go on your stomach and you kind of crawl across on your stomach to, you know, to, to more distribute area. your weight. Yeah. To distribute your weight. And I was waiting for either of those things, but no, everyone was like walking straight down the middle. And then all of a sudden King's out on it and then they're all doubling back. And I was like, that seems like a lot of foot traffic in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was well, maybe, yeah. Like, maybe you can't you should go together. Them- He's like, you can't go together. You're going to break it. You have to go one by one. But me and this firefighter right here, we're going to walk across it together side by side and figure out where the weak spots are. It's like, I feel like you're breaking your own rules here, Kang. Yeah, I feel like if, if this bridge only has so many goes on it, maybe yeah. maybe you could use one of those goes for somebody like the pregnant woman. Like I don't know. Um, it, yes, and this is and this is a this is a rare occasion though where we do get a, a, a nice satisfying oh, what a great, yeah, we get a great death. satisfying death. It's it's a thing I really liked about this movie is that the people who emerge as as our assholes, um, we don't have to watch them persistently being bastards for a long time. They just kind of cycle in and out. Like, we know that the public official and his wife suck, but they're only in it very briefly. And then you're just kind of like, yeah, fuck you people. And you're glad they're gone. Yeah. Suddenly, like, Mr. Cha, he is overwhelmed by, like, the selfish spirit of survival. They obviously send the little girl first across the footbridge to get her on the other side. The pregnant woman, once she's about halfway, the pregnant woman follows her. Well, Mr. Cha decides shit, we, I need to save my life, I need to live. He starts running across the bridge when it seems like it's about to give way. Not really doing the good calculation there of like, I probably shouldn't put another body weight on this. And just goes sprinting, not past the pregnant lady, but straight into her to knock her ass down. Holy bodies, this pregnant woman. I was like, she's fucking knock her ass down so he can get past her, which of course, once he gets about three quarters of the way across... Uh, everything starts collapsing to hell and the glass breaks directly underneath his feet and he dies immediately. Yeah, no, he falls, he plummets to his death. 
Um, and it, it's, it is a very satisfying, like at that moment, that was I was like, yes, the vengeance de- deaths begin. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, and it creates the great moment where you have Hannah who's been separated, the daughter who's been separated from her dad and he, the dad doesn't know if she's still alive and we don't really know if she's still alive. I mean, because have to assume the, the, the kid's going to live, but right. The, the rookie firefighter was waiting in their side to sort of greet people as they came. So he's yeah. waiting to receive a little girl. Well, she gets paralyzed with fear when things start collapsing. And she's just standing still screaming at her dad. Her dad's like, yeah. keep running. And the firefighter's like, come on. So junior firefighter has to run and grab her while Captain Kang has to run from the other side of the bridge to grab the pregnant woman to rescue her to pull her back as the entire thing is collapsing from the middle outward between them in a heroic moment of rescue yet again for Captain Kang. He gets the pregnant woman back. We pretty much see, we pretty much see newbie firefighter and little girl make it to their side successfully, but there's so much rubble. Yeah. He won't pick up the radio that you're like, oh shit, he could be dead. And of course, Lee is assuming that his daughter is dead because like, how could you look on the bright side in a moment like that and think, no, maybe they made it. Yeah. No, he's like mourning a dead child. He's a fucking wreck. And this is when we get to our next fucking boss level that they have to they have to defeat in order to survive the tower. And so now that the main fire has been extinguished, the sky bridge issue has happened. We've lost a life, but he had it coming. And Mr. Lee, operations guy, is mourning the possible death of his child. The captain has to inform them, all right, guys, the thing is, Captain Kang says the building's going to collapse. We've got like no time and only way we can buy ourselves time at all. Any time at all is if we blow these reserve water tanks, which is a very towering inferno move. Yeah. Higher up in this building because there is 800 tons of water in these tanks and it's causing the building to list more quickly as it gives way. The problem is not just anybody can get into these tanks. So Mr. Lee, as you grieve, uh, I'm going to need your fingerprint to open this door, <laughs> get to the tanks to blow them up. And, you know, building manager kind of stands up from a little bit. She's like, this is the worst moment of his life. It's like, well, literally everyone's going to die if he doesn't. So I don't, yeah. you're being very kind right now to him, but I let's really talk bigger picture here. So of course, man of call answers the call of duty. Mr. Lee gets up and he, he goes to the tanks with Captain Kang and they successfully like, release these water valves, drops out all this water that puts out probably most of the fires of of concern that are still left burning. Meanwhile, in this time, actually, Sergeant, who fell through the floor outside the fire door of the Chinese restaurant and came to consciousness and is trying to make his way back to his crew, he, along the way, has found the lotto-winning family, who are a bunch (laughs) of religious zealots, and they have wisely made their way to a pool a spa pool so they can at least be like covered in water i guess and they are in there having a full fucking tent revival praying <laughs> for the lord to the lord to send an angel to save them as they're doing it the goofy sergeant walks right through this like smoky door and sees them and they praise him as as a saving angel and it's a great it's a very good funny moment they do a good yeah. job punctuating with funny moments with these um the lotto winning family throughout the movie to you know keep you from just despairing so we, as like the water gets released, we, our sort of all of our heroes and survivors come together. The fundamentalist family, the, the, the lotto fundamentalists 
are like praying for, they're praying for courage, they're praying for strength, and the sergeant is like, can you tell the Lord to give us a tsunami instead of courage and wisdom right now? So they start praying loudly for a tsunami. <clears throat> and the sergeant looks up because presumably he sort of hears the water rushing and he sees a tsunami and he starts pointing at it and they just start shouting hallelujah. <laughs> at which point they're all swept sort of off their feet by this, by this evacuation of water coming through the building. And then sort of all of our teams come together where the captain informs them, well, that bought us a couple minutes. It's like, oh, God, <laughs> damn it. What are we going to do? It's hopeless. No, I, I, it was, and, then, and then they have to all load. They decide that the best thing that they can do to get out is that they have to all load into the elevator. And I, I hope that the plan. elevator, oh, my God. This, I this love this plan. So genius and also terrifying. Disaster movie plan. It was so great. They're all going to load into the elevator. And it's every like a service elevator because it looks really, really big. Yeah, and every 10 floors, the elevator has, a, has a, an emergency brake. And so they're going to just take the elevator down and hope the emergency brake works. And they're just going to let the elevator free fall until then. Yeah, they're going to actually blow up the cables yeah. to induce a free fall. Oh, At my God. Point, they will fall through the still burning section of the building. Yeah. Yeah, so they got, they, the key is that they have to get down low below the 60th floor down to a low enough floor that they can escape the building and get through the fires. What a, I mean, like that whole I, I, like that's a, I guess that's a plan. It, yeah, it's, it's it's the only option. <laughs> it's all they've got. It. Free fall in the elevator. Why not? But oh my god! And it because like they the elevator. They're, they're the emergency the at that point because yeah. there's a demo team setting up in the foundation of the building yeah. to blow it up so they don't have to. One tower doesn't fall into the other, causing them both to collapse. They need to get out before this thing is like wrecked. Oh my god! And then for some reason, like every time the emergency brakes work on the wrong elevator on the wrong floors, like emergency brake doesn't work when it's supposed to. Right, right. Emergency brake does work when they're in the middle of the fire, and yes. then emergency brake doesn't work again. I was, loved, I loved the oh shit, we're stuck in the fire. Yeah. Technique though, they oh, really yeah. get proactive. And, and they I, all just start, which is why I don't believe in jumping in elevators. Because <laughs> look how effective it is. No, it's great. It's great. They they make it down like probably 20 floors and then they freeze up right where there's a fire. So it starts getting really hot and the sergeant suddenly is kind of overwhelmed with inspiration. He's like, we got to get this thing moving. Jump, jump. So everybody in the elevator is just jumping up and down yeah. to get this thing to give way. And it does. And just the, I really enjoyed, and I don't know if it was just a narrative expedition, narratively expeditious choice, or maybe it's a cultural difference where um, Korean folks maybe respond differently to authority than American, but like that is a moment in an American disaster movie when someone's like, here's the elevator plan where alpha male from the yeah. people who are need to be rescued starts fighting with the firefighter in charge about how this is a suicide mission and there's no way they're going to make it. And there has to be another way down. Everybody immediately gets on board with the free fall elevator plan as yes. soon as the authority figures line, line out that it's going to happen. Like they obviously have people have reservations and there's like a, so this is a bad plan, but nobody tries to stop it or do the thing I feel like we always seen in, in American disaster movies where some guy goes rogue with his girlfriend, wife or whatever and yeah. tries to find their own way out and then inevitably fucking dies. No, and, and there was never really a moment in this movie where that happened, where there, no. pretty much every time everyone's like, yep, you're right, this is the plan, which people, is nice. It was refreshing that people listened to people figures. who were experts. 
Yes. It yes. wasn't just authority figures. It was experts. They listened to people who were like, hey, this is what our option is right now. And everyone right. else was like, you're right. This is the reasonable choice. And I was just <laughs> like, this is what a refreshing change from the movie where like you're watching some random dude. You're watching oh some random dude argue the whole time. And watching like, like, yeah, uh, coming you know, off of Krakatoa east of Java yes. where a fucking junkie is leading like the mutiny against the captain to save to survive a tsunami when a tsunami is going to be rushing at them imminently it was like why are any of you following the unreliable drug addict right now yes. what in the absolute hell is going on and that was never an issue in this movie. I also, I also immediately thought of Krakatoa East of Java. With that. <laughs> that was like, it's just so nice that no one is questioning whether or not this is a good choice right now. No, nobody um, was. Yeah. It was so, it was so nice. And it, it spares you that kind of like, there's enough going on. Yeah. There doesn't need to be intergroup conflict when you've gone from like helicopter fire yeah. to like concrete structural explosions to having to save yourself in a window trolley a hundred floors above the ground. Like you don't need, this is why I liked underwater. So one of the reasons I liked underwater so much as we know mm -hmm. is that it was people helping each other in a desperate situation the entire movie instead of throwing in a human catalyst for revolt when there are problems around us and we just don't need to fabricate another one. Hell yeah, yeah. Nice. It was nice that that did not happen in this movie. So everybody piles in the elevator, everybody jumps up and down to get it going again, and they make it as far down as the fifth floor before the brakes finally kick in for real. Yeah. But they're on a half floor. They're between five and six. So when they open the elevator doors, that means there's only a little space for people to get out of, and you're like, fuck, it's probably not going to hold this. They're going to do this thing to me. And so only the pregnant woman, Lee, and Captain Kang get out, and there's a tragic moment where the little poor cleaning lady is about to be pulled up on fifth, fifth, sixth floor with Captain Kang et al., and she slips and falls back down onto the floor of the elevator as it starts slipping and giving way. And you're like, oh, my God, she's made it so far. Oh, my God, they're going to kill her. How can they do this to me? How can they do this to us? And then we see this anguished moment of the building manager and Mr. Lee, like, holding hands. He's trying to save her, and she's telling him, it's okay. It's okay. Like, let me die. I, I, we've made it this far. Go to your child, basically. Yeah. And the elevator goddamn falls again. It was, that was such a brutal moment. And I was like, the fact that the love interest was still in it, I was like, <clears> okay, yeah. she's going to make it out. But I, I, I was so worried that the like sweet cleaning woman was yep. going to, was, I was like really worried that she was going to end up with something through her stomach. Oh, I was, so I was like, she's going to get impaled. This is going to be the worst. And I'm going to be so sad. And she's going to die off screen. And it's going to be such a bummer. And so it was. <laughs> So I was so thrilled that that did not. They they were like, no, we know, no, we, we know that you need this from this, from this thank, movie. Thank God, I can't lose Bell Rosen and the kindly cleaning lady. And yeah. So once Kang and Lee get outside and and Lee sees his daughter again, he's like, she's like, you know, where's the nice lady? Basically, he's like, you know what, you wouldn't be here if she hadn't saved you, and I need to go save her. So he suits up in fire gear, and him and Kang, they're going back in. Because yep. 
Lee knows that the elevator goes down to the basement. That's got to be where they are. If there's any survivors, they've got to check. And like fire administration is basically being like, we're going to blow this place in 20 minutes. You need to get out before then. If not, you're going down with the building. Here is explosive because they've devised an interesting plan. They're going to get down. It's another water tower feature. Yeah. They're going to get down into the belly of the building. They're going to see if they can find any survivors. And it's like, shit, we don't have time to crawl back up and get out before the demo. Well, there are these big uh, rainwater reserves down in the base of the building. What if we blow those up? We send the, we, we get into the like access tunnels that lead to the river. What if we blow that water up? It basically turns it into a fucking water slide inside these access tunnels. And it jettisons us out into the river faster than we could crawl out. What if we try that? Okay, that's the plan. That, I mean, which, you know what? The plan, the alternative is building collapses on us. So cool. But also in my head, I'm like, that's, that's a terrible plan. That, that's you, a have no, you have no rafts. There no. were no rafts. There was nothing. There were no no doors for them to lie on. There was nothing that they could like surf out. They were just like, we're just going to be swept with the full force yeah. of thousands of gallons of water yes. sending us through a a tube filled with um with cement and hope yeah. that none of us sustain head trauma. And I was like, cool, yeah. I'm in, but I'm concerned. Yeah, that was it was probably the most ridiculous disaster plan actually of I think more so than the falling the elevator. elevator. Yeah. Because it was like, yeah, right. We'll just all glide gracefully out of this thing. Yeah. And nobody's going to like hit their head against a wall. Like, I mean, that's the chance you've got to take. But the way they lined it out was so crystal clear that it was like, mm, we're really not considering the variables here. But OK, we'll go with God. Yeah. We're just uh, we're doing this. We're doing this. All right. So I was in worse in a he's come so far. He's come right. so far. But Captain Kang gets the explosives to put on the water tanks, the rainwater tanks. And they hand him a remote detonator. And for me, that's when you know. That's when you know. Because he's got to be the one to say, I've got to stay behind because X, Y, Z thing happened to the remote. I genuinely, because of the fact that Steve McQueen and Paul Newman made it out of detonating the water tank when they weren't supposed to survive it. I was like, cool. So he's going to make it out because they're going to do the same. They're going to detonate the tanks just like in Towering Inferno. He's going to make it out because Paul Newman and Steve McQueen made it out. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I was so sure of it. And American movies, man. American movies. They're so much gentler on us. Oh, my. I had no idea how coddled I had been until that moment. (laughs) And so Lee and Kang going down. At, on, as they're on their way to try and rescue these people, new recruit guy shows up again, and he's like, I am not leaving you. I am seeing this mission through. He is going to be a great firefighter. And on their way to get down to the basement door to find the survivors, there is they have to jump through this duct to get like through this access point. And it is, I rewatched it, Captain Kang he jumps, he hits the wall of the duct instead of making a clean pass. And they, his buddies have to pull him up into this access tunnel. And he like his pants get caught on something. It tears open a hole and he drops the remote detonator. But um, something is coming crashing down toward them in this, this um, cavern that they're in. So they have to jump out of it quickly. Well, that's it. That's the end of the remote. Captain Kang knows that he doesn't say anything. But you know he knows. He knows you know. They get to, they find people 
in the, you know, in the great Poseidon adventure escape from the hole moment, they find there's only one person, it seems like, that we are sort of made aware of that didn't survive the elevator fall, actually. And it's Mr. Kim, the guy who kicked a fucking dog. So you know what? He had it coming. He had this coming. I had, yeah. No, Mr. Kim dying, I was like, cool, good, great. He he died. That's fine. Yeah. I was waiting for this to happen. Yeah. Um, because never forgive him for that. No, never forgive him for that. And those are, those are the rules. Those are my sensitive American movie rules. You hurt the dog, you have to die. And so, but everybody, including blessedly the little cleaning lady, has made it in the elevator crash. And the firefighters get them to the tunnels where they're going to be fucking rushed out on a wave into a river and there's the very emotional moment where the firefighters they set up the explosives they're running out of the con- like facility containment area where the rainwater tanks are and then as Lee and the new recruit get past the threshold of this door Kang shuts the gate behind him and it locks him and it was I wanted him so badly to make it out and to get to his wife and to make up for all the wrongs he had done. Yeah, to her. he had a cake waiting for him. He, oh my God, that was the cake was so cruel. They that didn't was need to do that to us. They did not need to. So before, to, before when he goes home to his wife initially, before he goes back to the place, he like goes home to pick up a bake. I don't know if we've mentioned all of this takes place on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't really mentioned this. All of this takes place on Christmas Eve. The reason there's a party happening is the Christmas Eve party. The rich people are going to make it. It's too warm for snow. Yeah. So the owner of the building is going to, has hired helicopters to make it snow with actual snow onto the building. Yeah. Um, and the and the captain has gone home. But first he stops at a bakery and he's like, I need a cake for tonight. And the woman's like, okay, we can get one for you. He's like, I'll be here at 7 p.m. sharp for the cake. Yes. And he dies. And after the wife finds out, like, at the, in, in this silent moment where the wife, like, learns and she collapses and all these things. And then we cut to the bakery. Cuts to the bakery, man. And there's just the one cake sitting in the display. No other cakes. One cake left Everybody in the display. else has picked up their Christmas cake. Except for him. And the cake display says... For the firefighter, 7 p.m. sharp. It is. Ugh. It is, like, because Kang is, you know, he says goodbye to his men. He, and the the recruit is like, let me stay. I'll do it. I'll do it. And yeah. hero that he is, he says to him, I'm not saving, I'm not doing this to save your life. I'm doing this for the lives that you will save. And you need to remember that. So I'm crying. The new oh recruit is crying. They go when they realize he's unmovable. He goes and he sits against the water towers and he calls his wife, who doesn't pick up, and he leaves her a voicemail. And he says, like, I've never left a voicemail before. I hope I'm doing this right. In which he apologizes. He says he's caused her nothing but pain, which is probably true, and tells her he loves her. And I thought this was interesting. In an American movie, that person would hang up the phone and, like, shed a single tear before they blew up nope. the bomb that they were sitting against. I so appreciated that Captain Kang has a full sobbing fit. He is devastated. He yeah. doesn't want to die, but he knows this has to be done. And he's not like some like stiff upper lip man in that moment. He is crying his heart out 
right as he is blowing himself up to save everyone. Everyone was crying. Everyone. I mean, it was there like his the, his sergeant was crying. Oh yeah. Everyone had feelings. It was really moving and horrible oh, yeah. and like I, I just oh and of course, thank God, the water trick works. No one seems to have drowned or been uh, bludgeoned to death yeah. along the way. Everybody, ev- like, very tidily evacuates out of this storm drain um, with the water flow. They pop up in the river outside mm-hmm. of, on the waterfront. A boat immediately comes to rescue them. And that is when we get, you know, again, you know, I keep saying an American movie, but it's just interesting to consider the differences because we absolutely, the last thing we would have seen in an American movie would be like The Rock hugging his daughter. Or something like that. Or somebody would have shaken someone's hand. In this, the last thing we see is Kang's wife sobbing on her knees. Mm -hmm. The sergeant sobbing on his knees in front of her because he's had to tell her. The the lonely cake in the bakery case. And then a group of people looking at the wreckage from a boat. And then we just get a wide shot of like the the smoke and the ash. And the toxic shit spewing into yeah. the atmosphere. And then it cuts to black and it's the end of the movie. Yeah, there's no, like, last line of Lee being saying to the building manager, like, so, you in the mood for coffee? Like, there's none yeah. of, there's no smoothness, there's no suaveness. Like, there's no, you there's fully no... sense that everyone is going to have some serious trauma to recover from. Yes, there's, there's no, no moment where we learn yeah. racism is over, like in Volcano. Yeah, no, there, there's no moment where, you know, The Rock says... Well, now we rebuild, like at the end yeah. of San Andreas. Yeah, no. Nope. It's None just, we all, it's like, nope, everything is sad, and we it's, have to live with the sadness for a little while. devastation. Yeah. It's, and it's really good. The cake was, man, fuck yeah. you guys. The cake was hardcore. <laughs> that was, that was yeah. a brutal parting shot. But that brings us, that brings us to the end of the tower, yeah. which then brings us further into what this movie is really about. Mm-hmm what this movie is really about. What was this movie really about, Amanda? Um, I think this was actually a really fitting movie for our time because this was yes. a movie about the importance of uh, community. It's and true. The- M- M- Mika would agree. Mika would totally agree. Um, I think this was a movie about the importance of community. This was definitely like one of those times where everybody was acting, everybody who survived, survived because they were working as a team, because it they were working true. together, they were helping each true. other. Um, whether it was the pregnant woman woman stopping to like wrench open the doors to help out the horrible yep. line cook, yep. Um, any all the time, it was basically like about the importance of having a community, of having your people, um, and your found community too. Yep. I thought, yep. also thought that it was a really important. It was, I think, again for this time of like sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to do something for the good of everybody else, and whether that's you know staying at home and not leaving your house. Or if it is helping out other people because even though it puts you at risk to help other people, it's the right yes. thing to do. It is the right thing to do. Yeah. I, I thought that a big part of it was like watching out for your community involves doing the right thing. Um, and not necessarily doing the brave, like not the brave, bold thing, but doing the right thing for the community. Right, um, right. So that was a big, that was, a, that was for me what it was really about. There was, Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, I don't even, I couldn't even get into, like, the evils of the capitalist system because there weren't as many vengeance killings. Like, obviously, yes. Right. Obviously, the, the working men are good and the upper class are bad in this. 
Right. I think that's very clear, but yes. yeah, I thought this was really about, regardless of what your socioeconomic level is, you have to become a community in these situations and you have in to, a crisis. in a crisis, you have to become a community. Jordan, and what do you I, think? I think that that combines well with mine because I'm taking the darker bent of this. Yes. This movie is um, about the obvious, rampant, horrible, and uh, deadly structural inequalities uh, and class stratification that in moments of crisis we see exposed most vibrantly and unignorably, like we're seeing right now in our pandemic in the United States, uh, where there was uh, an article that came out in Der Spiegel I think at the end of last week or maybe over the weekend, that was like the the image with it, the art with it was an image of the Statue of Liberty with an oxygen mask on her face. And it said like, this is hitting every, you know, the gist of like the sort of subhead was like, the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic is hitting every nation hard. It is seemingly hitting the United States uniquely hard and exposing the fractures in its system. Correct. Yeah. And I think what this movie is about for me is how those um, is about that structural inequality that has been built in and ingrained over like the sort of neoliberalism takeover of, of so many parts of the world and how that even like in these moments of great crisis that should theoretically be these great equalizers yeah. where we would like to see it be one world, one community, one bond and everybody be affected in the same way because the tragedy or, or crisis is of such great magnitude that po- nobody, it's, it's inescapable, right? Like nobody could possibly find shelter in this in a disproportionate way because of their privilege because it's just so much, it is just that bad. Well, that's inaccurate. That is inaccurate. Privilege protects you. The things you have access to, the things that will save you, like being the senator who gets flown out at the expense of a dozen lives in another part of the same building. So I think it's about that. And lightly, Every so often, it's about misogyny. Like when we have the guy calling out his girlfriend for the size of her ass. And now, <laughs> when the building manager is helping the kindly old man um, court his kindly little old lady date. And she's like, show him what kind of man. She's like, show her what kind of man you are. And the woman walks in. She's very sweet. And she's dressed very pretty. And she sits down and he goes, why are you always late? And he looks at the manager lady and she looks at him and gives him a thumbs up. Like, what the fuck was that? Your great instruction was for him to be like a dick to his girlfriend? <laughs> so every once in a while it's about misogyny. But mostly it is about the unavoidable nature of the, of the gaps yeah. in, in our society. And how even in harrowing moments, those things don't just magically go away because of a hero's journey. I like it. I like it. And so I think the that dark, goes the dark well. side, yeah, the dark yeah. side of the community aspect. The the dark side, yes, in in yeah. absence of true community. Yeah. Stratification. Yeah, because again, this was the working like the working class are the ones who got everybody out. Much yeah. like, yeah. So, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with I'm totally with you on this. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. I love it when like our themes when we like our themes aren't identical but that they come together to to help each other. No, it's really yeah, no, it's kind of ideal in that way. It's yeah. like yeah. Like it's fun to throw you off, throw you for a loop and be like you'll never guess this, she's a horse. But then also <laughs> it is really it's not it's it's really nice when I can be like, "Oh, this is a cohesive thing." Um 
so what yeah so fantasy casting in fantasy casting yeah yeah um so my fantasy casting kept it pretty straightforward kept it kept it pretty straightforward for the building for the security manager for mr lee mm-hmm. uh steven yun from oh, walking hot. dead yeah <laughs> super hot but like in a goofy sweet way what a babe super hot but again like this guy was also very cute but like in a goofy sweet way and i want to keep he was he was very yeah. sweet. um and to give him a love interest i was like you know who would be great in this situation you know who would wear a white suit spectacularly without and like wear a white suit to the entirety <laughs> of chaos alex daddario you know she really would and those blue eyes would really set off with yeah. the dark hair and the white attire exactly so, and like, you would understand him being a little bit like tongue tied around her and a little nervous. So she's the building manager. She's the love interest. Um, she'd be adorable with a little girl, keeping the little girl. Same thing as what we did with the wave. Cause like six year, finding good six year old actors are tough. And I liked this little girl. So hopefully she can, she can learn her, her lines in English. Um, since it's an American English remake and the, the father will be speaking English. But you know what? If she wants to just do the entire thing in Korean, I don't care. <laughs> she was adorable. She cried on cue with te- with full tears. She cried on cue. I'm in. I loved her. Um, Proby gonna do Simu Liu, um, just because he is super hot and he's got that kind of jacked vibe where you'd be like, well, that guy would be ripped enough to, you know, be like just out of out of fire training school. Um, but also, I love him on on um, Kim's Convenience. I don't know, oh, have you okay. Yeah, he's he's the brother. I've, I've heard I've heard good things about Kim's convenience. It's like such a it's such a fun sort of easy family sitcom, um, and it's charming. And the parents are great. And he plays sort of the the brother who's kind of a little bit of a screw up. Um, so I think he would do that kind of the good. The Proby is definitely one of the comic relief characters in it. Mm-hmm. Like he is, everyone rips on him a little, and so I think he'd be fun in that. And then for Fire Captain, I want Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, that's a good one. He's yeah. got a really good look for that. He's got a great look for that. I totally believe he'd be a legend. I definitely believe that he's screwed things up with his wife to the point where he no longer goes home on Christmas. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. I, oh, I believe 100%. that he would percent. I believe that he would be like, Well, I could go home or I could go fight this other fire. I'm gonna forget about the cake. I'm just gonna go fight the other fire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I that's who I got for for the fire captain. And that's really that's my casting. Um the other parts we can deal with later, but for, those are the big the big pillars on this one for me. Yeah, the, the other parts we can the other parts we can deal with later. I, I, I think I, the route I'm gonna go with this is mm-hmm. for sort of okay for key <clears throat> for um, Captain Kang. I'm I'm going to go with um, screen great uh, Song Kang Ho, who. Many will know from Parasite, but who has been a stalwart of director Bong Joon-ho's work for years now. Who I love him. Yeah, I mean, he he has one of the great faces in in cinema. He has he can be so paternal and so fatherly, or he can be so sort of wily and messy. And I absolutely would follow that man into a fire and him like I just see him as this sort of so capably channeling this like pillar of reason and courage in yeah. his you know suit but also yeah, he's a little bit of a wavered husband because he's married to his job so I he is my Captain Kang because there are just few faces that I would trust more I feel like in that that dire that dire scenario 
as far as actors than than Song Kang Ho. And then for Lee, for Mr. Lee. I'm sorry, I'm still like dealing with the I, I love that. Oh my god, watching him cry when he realized oh my, that he's gonna have to that, blow that he's gonna die. Devastating. I can't I couldn't do it. I couldn't It would be devastating. And he would be so happy. He would he would be so it would mean so much to him for Mr. Lee to be able to save his daughter. Like yeah. that would at, yes, that would it would just it it, it would be too emotional. Yeah. For um for Mr. Lee, then I'm gonna go sort of like a rock skyscraper style. Okay. And I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with another one of my favorites. I'm gonna go with Ma Dong Seok, who uh, is also known as Don Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. who, he was in um, if you saw Train to Busan, anybody? He's the big muscle bound man who has like one of the most heroic moments in that whole movie, and you love him so much. He is oh, in. Great. He's so good. He and can't you just see him as like the tender widower who's like doing his best and like awkwardly flirting with the building manager, but he's just this big hulking man. So it's even weirder that he's awkward and it's weirder that he's adorable because he's so strong (laughs) and such an identity in multiple movies that he's been in is that he can like basically kill people with a punch. (laughs) Um, If you've not seen the gangster, the cop and the devil, I highly recommend it. If you had not seen the movie unstoppable, uh, another South Korean film. It's basically like his sort of Liam Neeson-y movie. I would highly recommend that. So those are those are my two main people. And I think for I like the idea of Steven Yun a lot. And I want to. I think I want to make him the new recruit. Okay. Because he's no no no. I want to make him the sergeant. I'm going to make him the sergeant. Because he's not quite that rookie nervous energy, but he would have that like swaggering guy thing. Yeah, He'd have and, the, and, 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 and the sergeant was kind of a goofball, like yeah, in, a, yeah, in, a, yeah. in a competent way. Yeah, I, 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 I love that. And then for, um, so then for the new recruit, because he's so good at being fresh faced, um, I'm going to go with um, Choi Wushik. From also from Parasite, but also he was just in a he was also in the movie D- Divine Fury, in which he plays like the assistant exorcist priest to like a Vatican exorcist priest, and his just sort of wide eyed terror eagerness at like wanting to fight the devil, but yeah. not really knowing what to do with himself and being <laughs> a little bit of a coward. I can see his sort of wide eyed fresh face thing happening really well behind that fireman's mask. So those are going to be my main changes to this movie. And basically this movie is going to make me sob because these oh, actors yeah. are gonna be emoting so fucking hard that I'm just going to get overwhelmed. And, you know, you really could if you wanted to give it like a real evil tyrant vibe. If you made the chairman of the building uh, Choi Min-sik um, in just like old corporate bastard mode, that would be this would be a real clash of the titans kind of movie. So, that's so do we have do you have do you have uh, Bond direct it in your movie? That way, it can really be about the evils of capitalism. <laughs> this entire movie, this would like it would take place like in a snow globe that was in like someone's imagination, <laughs> like trapped in a mental institution, and it would be just like a metaphor, and nothing would literally have happened. Yeah, I would probably actually. Um, for for a director that I would go with for something this madcap, if we really wanted to lean, if we really wanted to lean into the metaphor, I would go with Jang Jun Hwan, who did Save the Green Planet, 
which is one of the crazier movies you could treat yourself to and also has some great eat the rich um, themes going on in it. So yeah, I, I will go with, uh, I'll go with Jang Jun-hwan on that for, for my director and bring my Korean Avengers together. <laughs> All right. So that brings us, yeah. What is, what oh, is I'm giving it five towering infernos? This gets five towering infernos. Uh, no question for me. Whoa. I I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I thought like on its like I this is one of those ones that I I will emphatically like when people ask me about move about movies to watch in general, this will be one I'm like, you should watch The Tower. It's really good. Is that a first moves- for Amanda? No, I I Volca- just, Volcano oh, gets a five. Right. Okay. Volcano gets, Volcano five. gets a five. We've done five for the wave. We've yeah, done yeah. five, we five for, for uh, uh, Children of Men. I think we did five for Children of Men. And I think what what did we just watch the other failsafe? You gave yeah, mm. like failsafe's five. Oh, well, I think never mind. Got, like, no, failsafe got less than that. Failsafe got like four or something. But it, it I've done some fives. This one's definitely a five. Um, I'm like, gonna no question for me. I'm gonna go four. Oh wow! It's, it's a it's a hearty four. It's an enthusiastic four. Yeah. And the gap for me being there, um, because I do love. It could be a four point. Let's go four point five. Let's go four point five. Okay. The gap for the split there being for me, um, I do love vengeance killing so much. Yeah. That 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 really and and truly no one makes no no regional cinema of tradition does vengeance better than South Korean films, um. I'm in it. That one little, that's the one little gap there where like someone punched the congressman. Yeah. Break off your engagement with the shitty guy who made a comment about your ass. Like I'm that I thank God I'll, I'll take what I can get. They gave me the cleaning woman, which is the only thing that made Captain Kang's death bearable. But I'm going to go 4.5, a, a, a full enthusiasm, 4.5, knowing okay. that that gap, that half gap, that's not the movie. That's me. That, that's, that's, that's your me. own person. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's your that's, own personal. Yeah, the movie made its choices. The movie made it, it its good yeah. choices for me personally. It's it's not the movie's fault. It's me. I think that's totally fair. Like I, I so it's the the towering inferno system is not necessarily how good the movie is. It's <laughs> how satisfying you found that movie. Like the towering inferno system. Damn right. Yeah. Un- Unimpeachable. Yeah, because it's like how how satisfying you found it. Yeah. If it if it did the thing for you that you needed the movie to do, and for you that was one thing you needed from the movie that you didn't get. And that's totally fair for me. I just, I watched that whole thing and I was genuinely like from a script standpoint, which is generally where these movies will lose me is if the script isn't tight enough or could use more work. And it was really efficient. And there was never like from, it was such an efficient first act of just setting up who all the people were. I was never confused about who anybody was, who what their relationships were, which happens to me all the time, as you know, um, <laughs> And we it were even both a, on board. We we're even both on board in this movie with the flirtation between the manager yeah, the, and yeah. the, it was really lovely. I was really the glad that, that was not a wasted love so interest. That was not a wasted no. subplot. And she was a very likable woman. She was a very likable love interest, which sometimes that can be real iffy as well, where you're just like, oh, okay, she's horrible. Yeah. No, she was great. They were adorable together. She I love that like the little daughter ran up to hug her at the end before her dad. Like after the dad Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, it no, I, really I, they're cute. they're a happy family forever. They're they yeah. they they're great. No question in my mind. But yeah, so this I, you can give it four and a half. I've given it five. You know, <laughs> this is just what we felt in our hearts. What our well, truth I'm, was. I'm excited to to feel so excited about a movie because next week. Yeah. Next week we are going to 
serve you a punch in the face, my friends. We are going to be talking about the movie, Darren Aaron. I mean, I'm glad it's a counterintuitive choice, but we will be talking about uh, Darren Aronofsky's whatever you want to call it, mother, which, hey, if a guy wants to say that his movie is a big fucking climate change metaphor, then this is a disaster film. And we will be talking about it with uh, my friend, the wonderful, uh, very talented comedian, Eliza Skinner, who will be joining us from her quarantine confines. And this was her choice. And I so look forward to hearing her feedback about this movie. I am I, like, I know what this movie is about. I have never watched it. I hate that I have to give it money um, <laughs> because unfortunately guys, this is not available on any street. Like this is available for rent on Amazon prime yep. on YouTube um, or on voodoo, but it is if not available for free Amazon anywhere. Is, I'm willing to bet that a lot of them have seen it. <laughs> I was going to say, if you guys want to watch it and you happen to find a free version of it, like it's just, you know, playing on your neighbor's side of your neighbor's house or you happen to be <laughs> yeah. like there's on the internet YouTube. searching for information about mothers and you find a stream of it that you aren't paying for totally understand that decision because really do we want to give this movie more money and yet we will yep where it's gonna be it's gonna be, i'm very much looking forward to unpacking it uh in the way that we do here i'm um I might just default to every once in a while talking about Michelle Pfeiffer's cheekbones in lieu of having anything better to say. Who doesn't uh, but default yeah. to talking about Michelle Pfeiffer's cheekbones? Let's be yeah. real. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a doctor appointment once that I just was like, let's not talk about my problems. Let's talk about <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer's cheekbones. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer's cheekbones. I've had a tough day. Let's get back to neutral by talking about Michelle Pfeiffer's cheekbones. So yeah, uh, we will, you know, I expect you'll all be joining us Next week, bring a friend and let it be their first episode as we talk about Mother. Yes. So, Jordan, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, find me at Twitter, J-O-R-C-R-U. I am Jor Crew. I'm Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Tubbs with two Bs. Jason, where can we find you? You can find me at Jason Halftones on every uh, social media platform. And the first page of your comic book looked great, so oh, I can't wait to so see much. more. I, uh, hey, that's right. I, as, yeah, we, as we're speaking, his, his... as we're speaking, I'm finishing the second page. Oh, I can't wait! <laughs> it has everything I love: dinosaur footprints and space people and vlogging. Oh, and that footprint's gonna lead to a dinosaur. You best believe. Yes. I mean, oh, it cannot wait. If that could, if that led to like pop stars and models, that that would be right up my alley too. <laughs> Never counted out, Jordan. I'd have dinosaurs and models. I mean, look, I'm 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 writing it as I draw it, so uh, it it could happen in a very short matter of pages. <laughs> I cannot wait for space models to be lounging with dinosaurs. Um, so you guys can find our podcast. Uh, we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail dot com. Um, rate and review us, please. Please share us on Twitter. If you see your yeah. friend saying. If you guys, I've been searching a lot for any for the terms podcast recommendations. If oh. you've got free time, if you don't know what you're doing and you just want to search the term podcast recommendations and suggest our podcast, hell yeah, it would be super helpful. Please share this with your friends. Tell them what your favorite episode is. Oh have yeah, group, do have a group watch party where you all watch it together while on Zoom and then listen to the podcast and discuss. This can be a thing. I did Jordan and I did a Twitter did a Zoom trivia night the other night. Oh, you yeah. absolutely can do a Zoom 
watching Volcano, discussing oh, really amongst yourselves. Yeah, do your own disaster we, trivia, theme disaster girls. Uh, yeah. My my girlfriend Anna and I just did that two nights ago with the movie The Rocketeer, and uh, it was oh blast. wow. That's what that's what you gotta do in these times. Watch movies together that specifically were highlighted on our podcast, and then tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Um, so we'll see you guys back next week for Mother. We're really gonna do it, guys. We're really gonna do it. <laughs> Bye. Bye That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>